agency. He has been there for 20 years. This is 20 years. 20 years. I started when I was five. <laughs> um, he is the senior manager, music and talent at CMT. I just think he is amazing. I met Stacy. I don't even remember why we met. We were just like, somehow I think we were like, we should have lunch. And so I went with another coworker, Reed, and we went to a whiskey kitchen. Mm-hmm. And me and Reed left and we were both like, are you kind of like in love with him? Like me and Reed both. Like, cause we were just like enamored. Like you're the most, you're so charismatic. You're so kind. You, no. you have so much to say. You have so many stories. I call you the Marlboro man. Like, and I mean, it's a compliment. Like, it's like, I don't know. He's like, kind of mysterious like i don't know i don't know i just think you're one of the most fascinating people i have ever met in my life i'm so honored that you're here to do our little podcast well i am i'm i'm flattered beyond (laughs) words right here it took me about 10 seconds to fall in love with you oh my gosh oh gosh i think you were trying to meet with someone way more important than me at cmt and you got stuck with pretty damn important but (laughs) I mean, maybe that was God saying we had to meet, Right. you know, and I remember the last time I saw you, I was handing you a bottle of tequila to take home with you Yes. at the Bridgestone Arena, which, which got consumed, got consumed. Good. I don't know why we were at the Backstreet Boys concert um, because, you know, we manage AJ and Stacey has a relationship with AJ and um, they did like people drink all the goose. And there were just bottles of Don Julio that no one was touching. And so literally at the end of the night, I'm like, you get a bottle and you get a bottle. I don't even know. Yeah, and You're like Oprah of tequila. I was Oprah of the Don Julio. <laughs> I'm tequila Oprah. <laughs> now now I'm like, I have this vision of like Oprah and the Marlboro Man sitting at the other end of, of this line. Um, great. You would be visualizing correctly. Pretty much. Oprah, I feel very honored. Seriously. Oprah's an amazing woman. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met Oprah? No. I would I want to meet Oprah though. so bad. Do you know that I'm going? I bought tickets. I spent $500 on two tickets to go to Oprah's Weight Watchers convention what? in Atlanta in January. And I am so excited. You will have a ball. I mean, I don't even care. I ain't even going to lose late. I'm just going to see Oprah. But I can do that too. Like now, all the things. She was originally from Nashville, right? Yeah. She went to, where'd she go? Tennessee State. It's in the airport. You know, there's like yeah. a, there's a big, there's a picture of her graduating in the airport. You see it every time you go in and out. Right. It's like, Oprah, I think it was TSU. I want to say it was TSU. I remember I that right. being I think so. one of the things I was, I was kind of most fascinated with this mm-hmm. town about was, was finding out who all was from here that yeah. you didn't think about. Didn't know. That's yeah. not country. So who, do you, who? Like, let's talk about who that is. Well, just to start with her. Oprah. Yeah. Um, the Rock. Now, Ooh. hold on. Yeah. We're going to have to bring in an expert. Right. Will somebody get Benny? So Close. Benny's my mom. Okay, you haven't yeah. met yet. No. Benny's number one celebrity crush of all time right. is The Rock. I heard. I haven't had a chance to research it, but Dwayne Johnson went to McGavick High School. Really? Uh-huh. And there used to be a huge, there still is underground, but there was this big local wrestling scene in Nashville. That's where huh. Jeff Jarrett had come from. I think still something there is like that? It's, yeah it's very underground it's always yeah. been an underground kind interesting. of interesting um but yeah I, that was that he was a McGavick. he graduated from so McGavick. he actually wrestled he wasn't just like cast Mm-mm. as an actor no um he was a wrestler huh. here um and his dad as well interesting mm-hmm. yeah I, I'm, I'm 
fact checking this right now and it's true. <laughs> We're fact checking it. Benny is here. Benny, meet Ooh. Stacy. Stacy, meet Benny. I have told my mom about you so many times. Are you a hugger? Oh, I love to hug. Oh, <laughs> I like them already. I know you would. I like to ask people for a like you're just love some and... well, you were sitting, so we'll go back to the story, but you were telling me about those photos that are up in CMT that I want to talk about. Okay. And I was just like, I want you to tell this story to my mom. Because like I follow you to a point, but she would like really be like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then she has fun stories too. Oh, that So she's going to be a little guest star for a moment. But uh, do you know, we were talking about people that are famous that are from Nashville. The Rock was in an underground wrestling scene here. Oh my gosh. Can you tell us your relationship to Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Well, he is my husband but he doesn't know it (laughs) i mean i have a legal husband whom i love very much and my first husband which is jay's dad is okay with which is her only husband there are no second or thirds you know but if it's out there Dwayne, it's like an alternate that would be a hard man to compete with you know well yeah she said no jay's dad is pretty hot Oh, getting saucy up in the podcast. Okay, so you know, I just want to make sure that you are part of that conversation. We're talking about this. So, who else is from Nashville? That see, put me on the spot. Um, Do we remember anyone? I'm trying to think. There are. Well, I mean, let's Google. Let's Google. Lila, Google it. I was always a big fan of the Waltrip brothers, Daryl. Okay, his brother Michael. I was talking about him yesterday, and they're from Franklin. Yeah, yes. And then Kesha. Kesha yes, was from Kesha. Franklin. Oh, love um, oh, I saw Daryl Walter. There's a couple. There's, there's, there's a handful of pop stars that are from there there are. that you don't think about. Yeah. And then uh, now, like, all the rock stars, um, mm-hmm. the retired rock stars, like, mm-hmm. um, I hear Vince Neil from Motley Crue lives down okay. in Leapers Fork now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we found out on the ghost tour. Kathy Lee Gifford lives in Franklin. See, see. I, I have a picture. Mm-hmm. I took a picture. She took a picture of her I, don't, I don't know if he still does, but uh, Michael McDonald was here okay. at one point and Peter Frampton. Oh, okay. my gosh. I love Peter Frampton. <laughs> now, this would have been this would have been like 15 years ago. So I haven't I, I, I'm, I'm not friends with them. So I'm not really keeping up on where they yeah, are now. Yeah. But I know they were here. And then they also time. said on the tour He's that Katy Perry owned a house down there. Mm-hmm. Uh I'll see you on Kelly TV Clarkson scene. lives right by Kelly me. Clarkson lives right by oh you. My she lives up that way. Hendersonville. Huh. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Anyways, I want you to tell the story you told me. Okay, which one? You were just talking about. It was just like, I don't know. I just love the way you told the story because it was like the way I would tell a story about a Fallout Boy piece of memorabilia. Like it, you just had like right. life in it, and like you, like you loved it, and like Look. you were talking about the. Who was it that donated the photos that were in that room we were in, CMT? Marty Stewart? Yeah, Marty. Okay. Yeah, that was... Oh gosh, Marty we've got a series, I know, right? We've got a series of these black and white photos. Um, at that time, he's released a book, if not two at this point, that, that the photos are published. But mm-hmm. when, we, when we actually got a hold of them, none of them had been published yet. So it was like a really special thing. Yeah. And I was geeking out on it pretty <laughs> hardcore. But um, Marty... Marty had started his career way back in his early teenage years mm-hmm. um, playing with uh, Flat and Scruggs. And um, he is like, I, I, I'm barely a freshman in the school of, of history where Marty's probably like the, the master class TED Talks <laughs> professor of, of that university. Yeah. But anyway, um, he had the forethought before we had phones and and you know small cameras and all that good stuff mm-hmm. he he took a camera with him and started documenting his 
documenting his life and taking pictures of these yeah. special things that he, he came across and special people that he came across. Um, there's a funny little story that Connie Smith met him when he was 12 years old and she was 22. And she said, he, she tells this story. He, he also tells it, but I actually heard this through her, her version first, but she said she was doing a, a meet and greet after a show. A little 12 year old boy walks up to her and goes, hi, my name's Marty Stewart. And I'm going to marry you one day. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. So guess who's married to each other right wow. now? Isn't that amazing? Oh right. wait, they're married. Yeah, yeah. they are. <laughs> I feel, awesome. I feel that. Cause you know, I was all like, Hey, Baxter boys, so cool. I'm going to work for you. One right. He, he was all about yeah. manifesting some stuff. So yeah. it is, once I figured out what a, a true historian and, and character Marty is, yeah. I, I really started digging into to him and, and his work. But these pictures are fascinating. They, they cover such a wide range of, of history and, and, and characters. And there's a story, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a story for each one of them. And I've been trying to piece together as Were much as I Were you telling me one about something about like a dressing room? There was one you were talking about. Is this picture of a, um, uh, he looks like a hobo and he's standing in front of a shotgun shack holding a, a, a banjo, kind of uh -huh. like a, a rifle. And his name's Sir Cordell Kemp. Okay. And back in the day, that was Jimmy Rogers' banjo player. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and um, a lot of people think that the Carter family um, had the very first country music recording, but it was actually Jimmy Rogers huh. from from Mississippi, and they they were uh, they were hobo musicians back in that. Wow. that day. They would literally travel around, hop trains, and uh, go play a town, make a little money, come home, give the money back to their families, hop on trains again, you know, go back and do that. And um, they were told that their uh, their music wasn't um, it wasn't highbrow enough. It was it was too illiterate and ignorant to be recorded. You know, so they were kind of like the original American rebels, and um, I, 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 there's just so much history. That, That's amazing. That that. Uh, the one I don't know, one another one of my favorites is um, the one is captioned as called Dolly's butt, <laughs> <laughs> and then underneath it goes best seat in the house. Oh, oh so cool. my gosh! <laughs> but honestly, I have I studied that picture for probably a year or better, maybe even two years before I really understood. Because if you look at his body of work, he, he takes he takes pictures of art. It, it's really not. They're really special. And there's something really cool and artistic about each one mm -hmm. of the shots. And then all of a sudden you come across this campy Dolly's butt picture and you're like, what? So if you analyze it, you can see the carpet where he his stool and chair was probably sitting where he was sitting mm -hmm. as a session player. And through his lens, you you see the back of Dolly. Uh huh. But you also see two other people in the room. And what's really cool about the picture is you, you can't see Dolly's face or, or anything that would be trademarked Dolly. But she is impeccably dressed. There's not a hair out of place. Her high heels are on. The belt is on. The dress is on. There's no ball cap. There's no flip flops. There's no, there's no I'm not in character thing happening here or I'm, it's just another day at the office. She is Dolly Parton to a T in this picture. And what's cool is you can see you, there's, it's undeniable who that is in that picture, even though you can't see her face. It's like, you know, for a fact. But as you study the picture, and for me, it looks like it was took in between the years of uh, 87 to 92, kind of the area, just based on the clothes. But there's this older gentleman back in the back with a Hawaiian shirt on. And then there's a, a, a lady standing next to Dolly and everyone's got headphones on and everyone's in the microphone singing. 
And she's wearing a cardigan and a, and a flower skirt. And the more you analyze it, the more you realize that that guy in the Hawaiian shirt is George Jones. And, and the lady in the cardigan is Emmylou Harris. And then all of a sudden you figure out what the best seat in the house is. And that was Marty getting to watch them do their thing together uh. and sing. They, they're, they're working. They're not looking at a lyric sheet. They're, they're singing together. And that was back in the day when I'm getting cold chills thinking about it. Oh, my God. That was back in the day where you didn't track, you know, a million times over at somebody mm -hmm. else's studio. And I don't have the time to come over and sing with you. You, you know, send me the track and I'll record it in my studio and then I'll send it back to you. These were these were legends. You know what I mean? And then again, think about the, the, the time period of 87 to 92. These are these are superstars. And yet they still have the time and made the time to be with each other in that room and sing together and feed off of each other and, and soak up that energy and soak up that art and bless his heart. Marty was smart enough to pull his camera out and let it and share that moment with us. Or otherwise it'd just be another lost magical moment that we never knew about. I don't know how to follow it's anything amazing. with wow. like your storytelling. No. Like, it is wow. magical. I'm, no, I'm just, but it is, it's just, but the thing is like, uh, like the fact that you looked at that and studied it and you can explain it in that way. Like you can tell stories in a way that other people can't tell. Oh. Have you ever written a song? I did. Uh, I wrote a little bit when I first got to town because I, I, I have huge respect for the songwriter. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> How they take an idea or something we mm -hmm. say or a turn of phrase and just turn it into this thing that affects us and changes our lives. And then we listen to it and people a hundred years from now still listen to it. And, you know, how do you do that? You know, it, yeah. The whole creation process is just fascinating to me. But that said, yes, but they were terrible. <laughs> well, I think you could write a novel because uh, you just have a, a way of, or maybe you should start doing articles for Rolling Stone. Right. Because you, you kind of write them in that way. Like when I was really young, everybody always thinks it's really funny. I worked at a library for five years. Mm. Loudest person most people know I worked at a library. April <laughs> literally, literally just turned me down on the mic when I was talking about that. Um, <laughs> But I got all the Rolling Stone magazines, all like the teeny bopper, you know, pull up poster magazines. And I would sit there and I would read these Rolling Stone articles and just like the, the way that those articles are written is like a magic, right. you know, way of writing. And it just spoke to me in a way and just like helped me experience music in a way that I had not before. So, but I think you could do something like that. That's I think, so funny. I think one better, he should do audio books. I think you should definitely do audiobooks. Uh, yes. You know, I, I've, I've had a couple of people tell me, you know, do you do voiceover? Do you do anything <laughs> like that? And it, it's one of those things where I keep getting smacked in the face with it at least once a month that I, I need to do you something. You should try it. Should. Why not? I'm like, mm. Couldn't fail. Yeah, uh, you couldn't fail. Uh, you could me. do, we were talking about the meditation apps. There are all kinds of meditations. Like there's one with... It was Sabrina Carpenter had one. Matthew McConaughey had one. Winnie the Matthew the Pooh. One, yeah. Oh, you've listened to the Matthew no, McConaughey someone, one? <laughs> someone used that as an example. They were like, you could so do, do that. that. Yes, there I agree. I completely agree. Benny, yes. will you share? I wanted you to come in and share that story. You told yes, me about please. being a little girl and you would go to, what was it? The old, old Dominion, Dominion Barn Dance. Mm -hmm. We would see Ernest Tubb and they'd have this almost beautiful dressing area where uh, it was in the day when ladies went to the bathroom, <laughs> but they had couches and you know, tables and um, makeup uh, areas for these for these women, these talented women. And I remember, you know, um, like June Carter, Mother Maybell, and they would come and sing, mm -hmm. and they would go up in the dressing room, to, you know, before and 
But it was also the public bathroom. It was like the public bathroom and us us peons could sit there literally, excuse the pun. (laughs) She'd just be going up there to use the restroom. And they'd be strumming their guitars and singing and getting ready for the show downstairs. And they would just were kind and nice and and thoughtful. I I think that's part of the charm and why I've been so fascinated with that history. The the access that you had to those artists and the fans got to those artists. Ernest Tubb, they used like the steel guitar and everything still. It was amazing. How old were you then? I couldn't have been more than five or six years old. Remember like String Bean and all those old performers. So what was the barn dance like was it like you sat in an audience it was like a or? little local ramen you know like okay it was like okay. a version but did of you have ramen. seats yes okay yes, paid admission very small and you went with and your you dad mom and dad or mom yeah. or dad yeah it up in richmond it was wonderful. wonderful so how would you compare it like going to the opry similar yes yes huh. maybe not a grand scale you know but of course yeah. but it was wonderful and then one time at our local old old petersburg high school i believe it was i saw porter wagner and I believe in my mind I saw Dolly Parton as a child because she was part of a show then. Oh. Now, at Loved the it. Old Dominion Barn Dance, was yes, there was there a, a dance floor? Did any dancing? No, sir. It was, it was just seats. Just yes, seats. like an auditorium. Huh. I always wondered about those. Yeah. It was awesome. Because in, in my little boy mind, I envisioned like half the half the venue square dancing. And yeah, that's, that's what I was asking. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. Was it in a barn? No, it was in a like an auditorium type place. Okay, so it was just yeah. a marketing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it <laughs> made it. It, it made it. It got its point. Oh yes, and grew up at bluegrass festivals and things like that. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's it. talk about this story. This is a funny story. So we had this long conversation about. So Cassie likes this horrible song from the nineties called Cotton Eye Joe. Oh my <laughs> lord! Where'd you come from? Where'd you? Yes. Yeah. I love Cassie up, even more. But somebody said, "Well, okay." So Cassie used to, as a teenager, yes. coach like 40 year old men's basketball and there's like this yes. horrible song and it's by a like a i don't know like pop, like well, pop they, group they called they the rednecks with an X. Yeah. anyways so we're joking about this song in some sort of meaning and i like google it and they're like what does that even mean and like people now say it means an std so i tell my mom this mom's like no it's not i'm gonna tell you then she proceeds to pull out the original album of the original bluegrass song autographed to her what that she got autographed stalking the man who 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 originally sang the song away well i don't have the original but i do but it was old yeah it was old yeah i have i've I've never thrown away that autographed that album who well this is a local gentleman his name was george Wynn and the bluegrass partners okay and he's real popular in our area and she's just man. like, look at this. This is my autographed copy yes. of Cotton oh, Eye Joe. We from loved, the oh, we went all, all over. Yeah, Daddy <laughs> loved him. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was just something I grew up listening to. Yeah. You know, Lester Flat, Rose Scruggs, yeah. all those kind of people and all that kind of music. I love bluegrass. So you were going and seeing concerts and you were clogging. five. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is this why you took me to my first concert when I was like seven? No, Johnny Cash. You were in my tummy, okay. but Johnny my Cash was My first concert was Johnny Cash while in the womb. Yes. What? And his Can't mama was I remember there it. June Card- at Bush Gardens in Lincoln. Wow. Yeah. And wow. I got a picture of his mama still. My first concert was Conway Twitty. Oh, I was 10 God. years old and I sat in between my mom and my aunt. And that was the night I learned that they were women. Oh yes! <laughs> oh, I had the undivided attention of my mother at any moment oh, my in my God, life until yes. Conway until that moment. I said, "Mama, shh, shut up!" Oh my God! Yeah, he came out. The lights go down here, and he does that. Hello, darling. Uh, oh, 
they went ape. They lost their damn minds, and oh, I didn't exist for the rest of the night. That's hilarious. Oh, that's he was. He was a wonderful. That's amazing. Did you? Did you? Because they like, were always my mom and aunt. Yeah, you know, it yeah. never occurred to me they, they were, were actual like, oh, people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, that's. Funny. He left us too soon. Oh, way yeah. too soon. Did and, you see Elvis mm-hmm. at the Coliseum? Yes, in Richmond. Those were those were uh, those yes. were the three for for my mom. I, I I could not interrupt during Conway, Elvis, or George Strait. Oh wow! Well, yeah. Wow. If he was, if Cassie any of those. Has a story about George Strait. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. George Strait ran away from her. She was supposed to be babysitting him at the CMA Awards. What? We were in college, and he kept running away from her. Yeah. <laughs> like, because you were really stressed. Were you? Were you not letting him drink whiskey? What was going on? It wasn't like that, Jade. Right. You know how they like have interns or like oh, college yeah. volunteers, escorts backstage to keep an eye on people so that they know where they're at at all times. So I was doing that, but they assigned me two people. They assigned me um, Sonny James who I loved and adored and he was amazing and um, George Strait and you can't watch two people at once. And Sonny James like actually like showed up by himself and actually needed like real help. So I focused on him. Um, but then they kept asking me where George Strait was. And I was like, I don't know. Where yeah. George- <laughs> I got Amy Grant and Vince Gill. Oh, that was I real love, easy. That was I easy. didn't do anything all day, but she was like, can you get me some vegetables and oh. catering? And I'm like, okay. That's like all I did. Oh, so nice. Mom, when I first moved to town, um, I would hear stories about uh, how the country stars of the 90s would treat radio people that would come to town. And, and, and there was this kind of competition going on at that time where they would try to take them to the nicest restaurant oh. and spend the most money. Oh, wow. Vince would take his people to Sonic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it Sonic would blow stuff. their mind. That's and they're amazing. like, they couldn't even get the interview or the meeting done because they're like, WTF, why am I at Sonic? You know, like, I was at the Palm with so-and-so last night. Why am I at Sonic? You know, and, and just being a good sport, the next day he would send them, like, this really expensive gift. Yeah. Oh, it was, like, wow. way that more than. That is amazing. Yeah, and, and, and he would so cool. he would do a little note, like, thanks for being a good sport and having some Sonic hot dogs with me. <laughs> oh, my you know? gosh. And, and so it, he created such a more memorable yeah. experience. That's yeah. called marketing, my friend. Yeah. He's a good person. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah, you've heard the yeah. you've heard the Vince Gill Waffle House stories, right? Oh. No. Oh Lord, these are all right. Does he go in and buy everybody? Well, it, all right, back in the day, you know, they didn't take credit cards, and that would there yeah. would inevitably inevitably be people come from out of town mm-hmm. and and not have cash on them, and there were several times where he paid for people's meals in there. Mm-hmm. Well, and he also said that he liked to go a lot and he put on a lot of weight, you know, and that kind of thing. <laughs> And uh, he said he was walking in. He goes, I've got really good ears. You know, I'm kind of a musician and stuff. And he said, I walked in the door one day and these two ladies were sitting there. And, and he goes, oh, oh, my God, he looks like Vince Gill. Oh, my And then the other lady goes, he wishes he was Vince Gill. Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. And he said, I wound up buying theirs, too. Oh, oh that is funny. Oh, my gosh, I love that. There's so many good stories. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I love it. So we're going to get kind of into, you know, the depth of what this podcast is about, how I got backstage. So, Susie, I just want to hear your story of how you decided I'm going to. So where are you originally from? I was I was born in North Carolina. Okay. Um, I was uh, went to probably I think I was 16, 17 years old. My dad, um, he owned a John Deere dealership there okay. in Tobacco Row in North Carolina <laughs> as a little place called Boonville, North okay. Carolina. Oh, with a college? Not Boone. Oh, no, no, Boonville. Boonville. 
Yep. What a cool name. Right. <laughs> Both were discovered by Daniel Boone, but this place was very, very small. We got like the second red light in the 90s and it was a big deal. You know, like it was a little one red light town. Um, it's incredibly quaint. It's incredibly beautiful. It was a perfect place to grow up and a, and a perfect place to appreciate bluegrass music and country music. And, and um, my mom and dad were originally from northern Georgia. So about the time that I turned 16, my dad sold the business and we moved what we called, quote unquote, back to Georgia, even though I had never lived there. So we moved back to Georgia and I finished up high school in Dahlonega, which thanks to Ashley McBride. Now, we, I, I used to just say Atlanta. Everybody's like, <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. But um, Dahlonega, which um, the site of America's first gold rush, huh. 35 years really? be- before the one that settled California. Hmm. Yep. The uh, anyway, I can take you down so many rabbit holes uh, <laughs> of stupid cheers, Cliff Clavin knowledge like that. Um, anyway, um, we we went to uh, we moved to Dahlonega, Georgia, and again, like some of the best musicians I have ever. Zach Brown and I went to high school together. Oh, cool! Zach was a little guy. I, I, it's been the most enchanted growing up. Um, Travis Tritt's family still to this day owns this little cinder block barbecue joint that uh-huh. was there in um, in the county and it was only open from monday through thursday for lunch only that's how good the barbecue was they didn't have to be open the rest <laughs> yeah. of the time and then any other time that they weren't selling barbecue they were doing guitar pools and and mm-hmm. music in there mm-hmm. but just music was everywhere um alan jackson's sister was the principal of the high school like just wow. all kinds of just that's random cool. yeah. yeah um just surrounded by music and musicians yeah. constantly um i was my family is i come from a very musical family um uh, several generations of it actually um my um my grandma uh, was a music director for the churches that my grandpa pastored and okay. he was kind of a he I, I i say he was a famous preacher i mean anybody outside of northern georgia never heard of him but in that area of northern georgia yeah. he was a well-known well-respected awesome. man and it was really cool um way back in the day um where we're from in the country they don't really have nursing homes and that kind of thing so mm-hmm. the older people we would call them shut-ins mm-hmm. and and literally they would be confined to their houses they couldn't get out but we would go and visit and take them food and okay. so one of the things that they did back in the day where they had these mobile recording studios that would come around and record church choirs okay and they would record the choir singing all the hymnals, and then they would take the records around, especially for the shut-ins who couldn't get out and go to church. They could still hear the choir sing, and they could, you know, they weren't necessarily broadcasting the sermons, you know, everywhere, although they did have little AM broadcast, and my family did sing on the radio um, way, way back in the day. Um, but anyway, long story short, um, they did these recordings, and my grandma got to sing this song called The Roll Call which she had a joke. She said, I must have a dead voice because every time somebody dies, they want me to sing. You know? Oh, no. <laughs> That's funny. But she was brilliant. Um, but anyway, I literally was traveling to, to Nashville one of my first times just coming here to visit, and I was listening to a very, uh, very random AM bluegrass station way up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and I got to hear that record. And it was kind of an affirmation of you're doing the right thing that's you know, so cool to go to Nashville but I don't know music was always a part of my life I always wanted to be in music um, I grew up a musician um, 
I moved to California as a drummer when I was 19. Oh. And did a version of uh, what I call professional marching band. It was called Drum and Bugle Corps. Um, I was part of a, a group called Santa Clara Vanguard from Santa Clara, California, and a group called the Blue Devils from Concord, California. And we would literally go on tours, uh, travel the whole nation. Um, I did that from probably from 14 years old to 21. You can't oh. do it after you turn 21. You, oh, you age that's out. Crazy. And um, from there, I moved... I moved back to the, the South and um, pretty much instantly to Nashville because the whole time I was in California, it, it, I always have this thing that people don't choose Nashville. Nashville chooses you. Mm -hmm. It's that little still small voice in the back. It's like, come to Nashville. <laughs> and you tell your friends, like, I'm going to move to Nashville. And they're like, what? What? Uh, you know, like yeah, yep. now it's not as crazy, but, yeah. but back in the 90s, you talked yeah. about moving to Nashville. People like, especially living in California, like, yeah. wow. Ah. Why would ah. you do that? I mean, so, that was even like that. I moved here in 2004. Right. Like, what? You're not like, don't right. you want to go to California? Right. Why, why are you going? Yeah. Like, New York, right? New York, LA, New York, right? Yeah. Like, no, Nashville. So uh, I decided to come here and I really did. I, I came here wanting to be, um, I was either going to play drums or for Faith Hill or Shania Twain. And I'm still waiting on that phone call. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll go play for them anytime. <laughs> But yeah, I really, I did. I wanted to be a road musician. Every time I saw live music, it, it yeah. was just the most fascinating thing I had ever seen. And and growing up in church and watching the power of music in church, there was just, I had been to so many revivals. I'd been to so many Bible schools and I'd been, because of my family being musical and my, my grandpa being a preacher, we would get invited to other churches. Mm -hmm. And I would go and watch, and sometimes you could you could watch the preacher preach their hearts out and just crickets. And then all of a sudden the music would start and the windows would start shattering. And, you know, just the, you would think the roof was going to yeah. collapse in on the yeah. building. And it was, again, it, it I get cold chills thinking about it. My favorite artists and musicians were always telling you they were conduits they you know they were they were channeling mm -hmm. the the spirit of what was happening and I loved the vehicle of music there was just something I I knew it was one of the most powerful things that can be I don't know it's just a force of nature you yeah. know so I didn't know exactly how why where or when but I was like my, my life is going to be involved in music while I was in California I'm not doing a very good job of keeping this chronological but Hopefully, you can, no, I love you know, it. It's great. Keep up with me a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have had that. Coffee. Life is chronological, but like telling the story of it is not because there's everything weaves together. Well, so. It is. And, and everything happens for a reason, especially when you, you, you don't know. You don't know why. You don't know why when it's happening. Right. Yeah. So I'm out. I'm in California in the 90s. Um, I'm doing the music thing. Um, but I really like eating groceries and, and mm -hmm. paying rent. So I got a day job. <laughs> And um, in, in California in the 90s, especially in the Bay Area, there, there was not a, a there were so many tech jobs available and no one doing them. They yeah. were like, basically, will you show up every day? Yeah. Uh, we'll teach you what to do. Just show up every day. And as soon as we hire you, don't go work for this new company called Google or Apple, you know, because <laughs> that's what was happening. Yeah. And so while I was in California, I developed a, a unique set of skills for, for coding and the tech side of things. So when I came to Nashville, cmt.com back in the day country.com was hiring and um you'll love this story i applied for a job 
and went in for my interview. They took me into a room and gave me a test to see if I actually knew what I said I knew how to do. And I, I passed. And um, the, the HR person said, all right, you will hear from us in two weeks. And they said, if you don't hear from us in two weeks, feel free to call us. Biggest mistake she ever made. Because <laughs> that two weeks was up. Oh and guess gosh. who started calling every day? So I from, I promise I didn't do it at the same time every day, but between the <laughs> business hours of 9am and 5pm, I would call every day and go, I, I even got on a first name basis. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Stacy, How are you? <laughs> I'm like, it's it's uh, any update? No, I'm sorry. We have no update on that. So week one goes by, week two goes by, week three goes by, week four goes by, you know, a month goes by. You think I'd be deterred, right? No, it's principal at this point. <laughs> I keep calling. Another four weeks goes by. Wow. Did I? Uh, another four weeks goes by. Three months. I called every day for three months. I did not. I'm not making this up. I promise you. Like to the point that where the last day I called, I go, hey, Shan. she's like, hey, Stacy, I got great news. I'm like, really? What? She goes, the job has been filled. I'm like, that's terrible news. That's, that's not, you know, she goes, no, but the position right under that one is now open. And we just upped it to what you said your minimum would be. And would you be interested in that? And I said, heck yeah. yeah. So 24 hours after that phone call, I was working at CMT. That's so cool. So you say it was country.com back then. Mm -hmm. It was. And it was so funny that you brought up Rolling Stone a while mm -hmm. ago because my job at country.com was working for a man named Chet Flippo. Mm -hmm. And Chet Flippo and Cameron Crowe were the first two writers that started Cream and Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. yeah. And Chet was kind of the. Chet was the first writer at Rolling Stone in like 1978, 77, 78, to start writing about Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson and Outlaw Country. It was like he gave it a voice in Rolling Stone. Yeah. It had country, country had never been that cool before. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, and Lord, he started uh, the stories I got from that man. I was like, so cool. oh, yeah, he, um, he he challenged me like one day he goes, do you know who George Jones is? I'm like, I sure do. <laughs> and he goes, name me three songs. And I'm like, you stopped loving her today. And shit. He goes, yeah, that's right. He goes, why do you know his name? You don't know his music, but you know his name. He goes, figure out why you have the resources. This town's history is still here and tangible. He goes, I challenge you. You know, why, why do we know who he is and why is he important? And I knew even back then that, George was just the vehicle for the challenge. He, he uh -huh. was he was talking about the genre in yeah. general, you yeah. know, like basically, yeah, you know, why did he even start writing about country in the in the late seventies? Yeah. You know, why what happened, you know, yeah. and figure it out. And so who owned country.com? Like what was the entity you were essentially working for? That would have been way back in the day. It was um it was Gaylord. And okay. then um Literally 12 months after I got hired, CBS bought Gaylord. Okay. And then Viacom and, and CBS became one in the gotcha, same. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then, okay. yeah. So I've been, wow. I've been part of the whole, whole evolution. So how did it go from? It was TNN to answer your question. Oh, it was TNN. Yep. Okay. I, I, my joke is I was one of the last TNN hires. I used to watch that Wild Horse show. Right. On TNN. I did too. And I still, also, and the thing is, I'll tell people now, I'll be like, y'all used to, like, we'll go by the Wild Horse. Y'all used to watch that. And people, young people don't know. I have no idea. I thought it was the cool, it was literally just a show of people <laughs> dancing at the Wild Horse and they and filmed them it. dancing. Yeah, like, that was it. it. And, we, and we watched the same line dances over and yes. over and it was cool yeah. for some reason. And then they opened 
like a in our little town it's where the blockbuster was yeah they opened like a version of that and it was mm. and i was like i can't wait till i'm 21 i can go there <laughs> right. and line yes. dance it was like this thing you know i yeah. still when i walk into wild boar still right now i'm like this is so cool Yes. Right. And like, cause like I always, when I first got to Nashville, I was like, I want to go to the wild horse. Cause I yeah. see that on TV. And yeah. it is, it's, I mean, it's the largest honky tonk in the world. Yeah. Like no other yeah. place. Like, yeah. Cassie had a really embarrassing moment at the wild horse one time. My, we were at a work event and I, I think I was probably not even of legal drinking age. And, uh, we were there, you know, my boss was there or whatever. And, um, we we're there seeing, it was cowboy tour, I believe. And I, dropped my shoe off the balcony i do a lot of like because i'm i'm very easily embarrassed and because i'm easily embarrassed i feel like i do things that embarrass me all the time that would just even embarrass like maybe a normal person but for me it makes it like even <laughs> more extreme because i do get embarrassed about everything so how did you get your and, shoe um, back i'm one of those people that like blushes and then when you tell me i'm blushing i get even redder because i'm embarrassed that you can see that i'm embarrassed and that so that was pretty like mortifying for me yeah that's that's a great embarrassing story though. most of them involve story. passing out in a bathroom you know right. she also like pulled a conference line out of the wall in front of big and rich so the whole music mafia and cassius <laughs> have a very long history of embarrassing stories yeah i um, I, was, it was, I was like you know one of the you know like you know i just started at warner and it was one of those like big it, the conference rooms were like you know, like every head of every department is in there and then the band was in there, that sort of thing. And we had to dial in to talk to a couple people. And I tripped over like the cord that connect like the spaceship, like um, speaker phone on the table and threw it off the table. Not only did I do it and trip over it, I broke it. So we couldn't call the, the people who were supposed to call it and not do it. So I just, not only was I embarrassed, but I felt very guilty as well. It's a great story though. <laughs> And then you helped develop a whole department at that label. So, yeah. Did they call what you did new media? They did. And what you know what the funniest thing about that? I actually got asked to talk about new media. I uh -huh. had no idea what they wanted me to talk <laughs> about. I was like, what? What's this new media? Show? I work so for a website. Nice. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't know it was new media. So, when, so how long did you stay working in that department there? I did that for about six years. And did that ever turn into like social media? Uh, no, no, no. Um, right about the time that I was right about, let's see, uh, I started in 99, about 2005, 2006, right mm -hmm. around in there. We got, we wanted to launch our second channel mm -hmm. at CMT called CMT pure back in the day, but it's called CMT music. Now, mm -hmm. um, 24 hour channel does music all the time. Right. No reality shows, that kind of thing. It actually used to be VH1 country. Okay. And we took it over. Gotcha. And they wanted a tech person with a music background or a music person with a tech background. Mm -hmm. And I was like, me. Yeah. And uh, funny thing is, is you thought, uh, you know, you would think I would slam dunk it, right? They actually posted the job in Rolling Stone and Spin Magazine. And oh I went up against 1,100 candidates. Wow. You know, right? Oh, my gosh. And when I found that out, I was like, oh, I'll, I better keep coding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> But I, you know, through the grace of God, I wound up getting the job. Yeah. I wound up building the back end technology to the channel that's still on the air right now. That's crazy. And, uh, so cool. And started programming. That's how I got into music programming. Mm -hmm. And that's that was my transition from from new media into uh -huh. broadcast. That's and so cool. It was to me, I don't know, to me it was really, really cool because way back in the day the computer screen and the TV screen used to look different. 
Mm-hmm. And I have been able to watch them meld into the same yeah. thing to where, yeah. you know, I remember specifically going, wow, the TV is starting to look a lot like a computer, you know, and mm-hmm. it, just even with um, graphics and, yeah. and edits and how things happen and how, you know, and now it's it's literally what we watch on our phone is exactly mm-hmm. what we would watch yeah. on TV. They're one in the same. I remember when there used to be, I think it was just called MTV Live and you could chat. Mm-hmm on it and it like showed up on the tv and i thought that was like the coolest thing ever oh i remember the debate about people will never sit and watch tv with their phone in their hand right and that's all we all do now all we do now that's all we do yeah literally all we do (laughs) no and it was a heated debate like that that, that'll never happen people will not why would why would they want to be on their phone while they're watching tv like, why do we want to be on our phone <laughs> we have to have like two <laughs> because our attention two, span, our attention span is done yeah. well i know i was like having a I, I so i have this theory or not theory but i just i kind of like the idea and cassie and i have kind of like built this with crowdsurf where you have developing artists and you know 15 years ago developing artists couldn't move forward because they couldn't afford a high-end videographer, mm-hmm. a high-end photographer. They couldn't get songs and just all the things that you need to get done. And so we've always looked to, to find like developing producers, developing photographers, developing with the developing artists. So they're all at the same place in their career. Mm-hmm. They're all like starting to build their repertoire. They're all starting, you know, but there's talent there, but and they all are in the same price range. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I was working with a very new um, videographer the other week and I had to like, teach him because he sent us a video edit all the clips were like five or six seconds and i was like they need to be like two seconds and he thought i was nuts and then he went and did it and was like wow that's just like so right it looks oh i get it you know and it was just funny like something that simple but i remember when somebody first said that to me i was like what no way no way i'm seeing something for only two seconds and getting bored totally what it is right it's crazy it's crazy how so like people probably don't know that but go look at one of your favorite music videos i guarantee you two to three seconds Next, next shot. Even nanoseconds. Now. Even yeah, even like, one second. Like that sometimes is too long of an edit yeah. now. Uh, yeah. One one sixty. Yeah. Yeah. Like one second is is too long to look at that shot. Yeah. Like it it's crazy. Much quicker. And that was like me being like, okay, like I don't know if I want any three seconds. And he thought I was nuts, mm-hmm. but I was like, I know that we don't have a lot of footage for this video, but you've gotta mm-hmm. figure it out, you know. And it, it completely changed the way it looked because at first I was like, God, this feels so slow. What is wrong? And right. you know, we had to go back and and do that. So, so can you tell us now, going into what you're doing now at CMT as the senior manager of music and talent? What do you do every day? Oh, wow. That is a really good question. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, honestly. I, I'm on email a lot. And if you yeah. just tell anybody all I do all day is email, that, that doesn't sound very exciting. And it's, Are you like ordering Omaha steaks? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's amazing, right? It's like I, I just spent eight hours doing nothing but replying to emails. Um, but it, it's, the, it's the content of those emails yeah. that, that what, what makes it special. But to better, I, I'm, I'm really downplaying it. I, I, I really split my time right now between music programming mm-hmm. of several platforms, between mm-hmm. broadcasts, online, social media, um, it, it, everything between broadcast and streaming to, mm-hmm. to downloading. Uh, we're, we're music curators for Spotify, for Apple Music. Mm-hmm. So any any platform that showcases music these days, um, especially country music, we're we're helping program. Um, but then I've really got into the talent booking and talent management side mm-hmm. of things, and that was kind of just a that was a natural 
I was just a natural evolution of of kind of growing up in Nashville and yeah. coming up with the. They invited me to um, these things called artist visits, where a, a brand new artist that you've never heard of would come to CMT and play a few songs and do a meet and greet with the staff. And you know, I I, I really got invited nonchalant. Oh, you're a music lover. You should come and should and come. just make sure you stand in the back and don't talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like very cool. Like you yeah. Know. So all of a sudden, you know, this the, the you know this guy named. Luke Bryan or you know these these guys named Lady Annabellum they they come in here and and play and they go around shaking all the executives hands mm-hmm. and everything and then they see me I'm like what's up <laughs> and I'm getting this hug and you know about the fourth or fifth time that I'm getting hugs while everybody else is getting a handshake uh, my boss at the time comes up and goes WTF man I'm like how the hell do you, you know, know everybody yeah, how do you know that? I'm like we 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 drink yeah and the, <laughs> You know, it was like the the town was even smaller back then, yeah. and and there weren't as many places to have fun. Yeah. So if if you went if you had any kind of social life, you were encountering these. It mm-hmm. was it was a really really cool time. Yeah. To 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 be here and and kind of it was just we all kind of came up together. You yeah. know, And so with that, I was able to develop some relationships that were real with uh with artists that we had no idea. I I could tell you like there was this one group of friends where we all used to hang at a house over in East Nashville and we used to have a really good time and we'd meet at least two or three times a week and just hang out and socialize. And the group kind of disbanded, but it wasn't because we got upset with each other or anything went wrong. It's just everybody started getting busy and famous. Yeah. And and I, I don't include myself in that group, but my job went from a day job to an actual career. Mm-hmm. And I started taking it more serious and, you know, started focusing more on, well, what if what if I do focus on this job instead yeah. of you know just kind of treating it like a a day gig and um and then like I said these these other people start just really you know their lives take off and become famous and um yeah I mean, all of a sudden they start getting number one records or this one goes and and makes it into the top three at Idol and you know like just you know just craziness and then we see each other like a year later and we're like oh so that's what you've been doing. <laughs> Wow. Busy. wow you got famous hey congrats you know but it is still cool because we kind of still pick up they're still the same people and you're still the same person and that's what i do love about this genre in this town yeah. is like the, the fame and the money usually don't affect them yeah you know i agree yeah. i agree well it's funny the two names you did mention luke bryan and lady annabellum cassie and i were just starting crowdsurf at the time and those were some of the first myspace pages yes. we registered for Capitol records yeah you know uh, Lady Annabelle, they were so sweet. Um, they came in. We literally had to ask them to stop looking at the CMT logo to sing for us. They were so <laughs> excited to be there. They were like, oh, my God, we can't believe we're here. And then, and honestly, like, once Need You Now hit and, you know, mm-hmm. they they were, like, selling more records than anybody in the country, they, they were coming back into the office. And I'm like, okay, here we go. If, Let's if there's, see. There's, if there's going to be yeah. a change, this is where it will happen. Still the sweetest, yeah. most down to earth people you will ever ever meet. Yeah. You know. Um Keith is another one of those. You know, I That's I, another one. Same story. We were was there on Capitol right? <laughs> registered as a MySpace page back in the day. I yeah. did. I did Capital A and R was killing it yeah. at that I for mean, real. Lighting it up, right? I remember we did these things. <laughs> they were called chats back chats. at country.com, right? Chats. And we would invite a country artist to come over and 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 we would have these online chats where fans yeah. could. Oh, I remember doing that for the Backstreet Boys. And, right. Yep. 
And we were at the, Keith was getting questions like, uh, what's the one thing you hope to achieve in, in your career? And he goes, I hope before it's all over that I have the chance to just sit, to go platinum one time, you know, just <laughs> once, you know, if I oh could sell, if one record will go 1 million, you yeah. know, I will think I've, I've made it, oh. you know? And, um, I will tell you that he is so impressive that he, he, when he talks to you, he's so into you and nobody else mm -hmm. in the room, it will almost make you uncomfortable. And like, you'll have to, you know, it's like, Keith, you need to talk to somebody way more important than me right now. You know, it's yeah. like, no, I'm talking he's to you. He's just incredible. Yeah. I'm kind, I, I kind of have like a really closeted Keith Urban obsession. I don't know why it's closeted. I, I think it's a just lot like, of people are obsessed. Like, it's just the, like, if Keith Urban is in town, mm -hmm. I will go onto StubHub and pay any amount of money mm -hmm. to be in like the pit. I don't it's, care. It's going to be a great show. You know? And, and then when he, um, when he got, I happened to go, anytime he plays the Opry and I have availability, I'll just buy a ticket. Mm -hmm. So I happened to buy a ticket the night he got asked to join the Opry. Right. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. And then I immediately went and bought a ticket for when he got inducted, you know? And I remember that night when they asked him, I went to the gift shop and I wanted the damn poster, you know? Right. And they were like, we're out. And I'm just like, I was so upset. And they're like, and I was like, well, what about that one right there? She's like, oh, it's like bit and torn. I was like, I want it. I'll take it. <laughs> so I have it and it's framed. And I was like, I want that poster. So. Well, I'll retell. I was telling the story before we started, uh, started the podcast. Um, I, there was this really, really cool, um, club in nashville called jack's guitar bar mm -hmm. and it was like legendary for its its musicians that uh -huh. came through there and the night that it closed down the last night it was ever open they had this big celebration and they invited in like basically all the greatest musicians that had played there and keith urban came in and closed the night out now this is before i don't even i don't even think capital had him on radar at this point i really really don't they could have it it, it might have been during the courting uh -huh. phase and they were just you know but mm -hmm. honestly, he was just another guy in Nashville who was good, Yeah, you know, and he got up there and played. And I remember specifically like the way he sang, the way he played, just the whole everything. I was like, my God, if that guy can't get a record deal, nobody <sighs> can, you know, like it was just one of the best things ever. Um, so that's one of the biggest blessings I think I've got to, to see yeah. somebody like that. Or uh, I remember back in 99 or actually it was 2000. Um, the website country.com and cmt.com we were really excited because this new artist had granted us access that we had never had before and we were going to follow him around with cameras at fanfare not cma fest fanfare at fanfare still call it that right? <laughs> was this at the fairgrounds, fairgrounds? yes yeah. it was and we were so excited because this artist was going to let us follow him around and we were going to have access and we were going to help him promote his first single and that artist was brad paisley oh wow right and he was a, he was a baby and, um, you know, we all know what, you know, what he's been uh, able to accomplish. So yeah. to, to see that kind of thing or, you know, Luke Bryan, you mm -hmm. know, to watch Luke come in and play for an office and be so like humble mm -hmm. about y'all. I appreciate I you. loved his first single. Oh. <laughs> that was my song. Oh, well, and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, he, his humbleness never has changed. And yeah. I think that's what led him to sell out stadiums mm -hmm. literally. You know, because even people that he was opening up for back in the day kind of plateaued while he just skyrocketed yeah. past them. And I think a lot of it has to do with that likability and that humbleness, the realness. It's mm -hmm. not fake. Yeah. You know, it, he's just, I don't know, like I've always been a Luke fan as yeah. well. Just, yeah. yeah. I think he's so great. Yeah. So great. Um, so what is your favorite show you've ever seen? Wow. That's a good one. 
Um, I've got different shows for different reasons. Some are some are musical, some are visual, mm-hmm. some are just flat what's out. What's the emotional one? Like, what's the one that felt uh, most pro- special to you? Probably seeing the Civil Wars at Belcourt Theater. Wow. And yeah, they weren't famous yet. Adele yeah. Adele hadn't discovered them yet. Yeah. And um, I went and I sat. Probably I was about. 20th row back Uh and it was the most magical thing um i mean taylor swift was sitting in the front row and no one cared yeah you know it was everybody was there for this yeah this civil wars i I mean there were several several artists in the in the audience that night and that was kind of a moment a magical moment for me as well to to see how the nashville artists supported each other yeah there was not a it was like they wanted to be there and be fans as well mm-hmm. and even take notes on this master class yeah. of performing that was about to go down. Yeah. And uh yeah, still to this day probably the most magical, emotional. I just walked out of there feeling I, I was you couldn't help but watch that and you just wish if you didn't have someone to love, you wished you were in love. And uh, if you had somebody to love, you were like, We're going home right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. What would you say um, for your time at CMT now 20 years? What is your biggest accomplishment that you're proud of? Oh, um, uh, being there for 20 years. (laughs) It is. It truly is. I'll I'll be honest there. I've I've called myself a corporate cockroach a couple of times. There's been so many (laughs) nuclear blasts go off and how I made it through. I never know. But um, I'll well, I think I'm more impressed with like that you stayed somewhere for that long because I feel like that's not common anymore. But I think it's very, you know, very amazing and respected. And, you know, I, I just think that's I think people always think grass is greener somewhere else. And, um, you know, I think it's sometimes maybe it is, but I, I, I think oftentimes it's not. And I just think it's cool to, when people stick with something for a long well, time. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I think, honestly, I've, I'm loyal to a fault in a lot of ways. Um, but also I would, I would kind of contribute it to not always um, having the confidence, maybe, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm just going to stay right here, you know, kind of thing. But still that, that doesn't, that doesn't account for, I'll, I'll go back to that Jim Malloy line I used earlier. There's, there's a higher power in charge of something, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because there, nothing else explains it really. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the things you're working on. Um, obviously lots of big specials and TV events and all these things. So first artist of the year, CMT artist of the year. Mm I, um, we, I went two years ago when it was FGL because Backstreet performed. Right. Um, and who is it this year? This year, um, please don't put me on the spot for that. (laughs) It's the number one thing listed on what are you currently working on? I know, but... (laughs) Uh, it's it's one of those things that I'm 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 okay. kind of well, not allowed to list do, off do the mean, artists. That's oh, you're kind not of, allowed to yeah, list it. Right. That, oh, that's, that's part fine. of the show. I thought you were saying you forgot. No, okay, no, no. So we, I'm so sorry. And that's fine. there's there's press people back at CNC so that will kill list, me. It's not announced yet. I don't think everyone's been announced. Got yet. it. Yeah. So I need to be careful. Got it. That. Okay. We'll um, be careful. And secret information. Yeah. I just let, tune in and it's, it's happening on the 16th. It'll be Is live. one of the artists Clay Aiken. No. No. <laughs> no. Okay. I saw this announced. So now you can talk about this. Crossroads with Kelsey Bellarini and Halsey. Yes. Has that's, that already been filmed? No, we will film that actually this Friday at the uh, amphitheater. Oh, it's at the amphitheater. Right. That's rad. And we've never done that before. Yeah, that's is that the biggest one you've done audience-wise? I would say yes. Yeah. Um, 
There've been, we did Luke Combs and Leon Bridges on Broadway outdoors. Okay. And that one was pretty. You know, right big. now they're having a big Tootsie's birthday celebration down there, Broadway. Yeah. Can we put that window up? I want to see if we can see it. I may or may not have a crew there filming. Oh, <laughs> but you chose us over Tootsie's birthday? Well, yeah. Y'all oh, wanted to talk about I am impressed. I That's feel honor. honored. We're, we're yeah, filming, for real. Talk about new media. We are filming a new digital series for social media. Uh, oh, Ooh, Night, tell us about that. It's called Night Out in Nashville. Okay. CMT's Night Out in Nashville. And is it going to so just cool. focus around music happening? And- well, as, as you all know, like there are so many cool things happening yeah. in Nashville on a nightly basis. Yeah. Like there's not just one thing in one part of town. There's like several things in several parts of the city and, and all of them are awesome. Yeah, you know? there's and so much going on. It's so easy to miss. And if you don't live here, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. No. You know, of course, you know, there's a big show at the Bridgestone or there's this thing happening yeah. at the arena or whatever, but like, you know, Tootsie's birthday bash. Yeah. And, you know, there's uh, Brantley Gilbert's headlining. There's mm-hmm. gonna, Randy Hauser's going to be there. John Party's going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, Terry Clark. There's, there's been performances going on there since noon today. Wow. And it's going to go till about three o'clock in the morning. Wow. And they're going to, I mean, trust me. They it's going to go. They're going to shut the street down it's and the whole be, nine yards. Yeah. yeah. Terry Clark um, awesome. So what yeah. a great opportunity for us to get a, you know, a crew over there, get some interview footage, get some performances and, and let the fans, they'll be able to go on, you know, our Instagram or Facebook mm-hmm. and, and go, uh, it's our way of going, look what you missed. You know, mm. like check out this cool stuff happening. So will it be kind of uploaded on like Instagram TV? Is what? Mm-hmm. How is it going? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Instagram TV awesome. and same thing for Facebook. Um, we've got a couple on there from uh, when uh, the the few that we've filmed and launched so far. Uh, t- when Tanya Tucker played Exit In mm-hmm. and uh, Nico Moon, mm-hmm. his first uh, showcase down yeah. at Old Blake Shelton's Old Red. Yeah. Um, we did a Midlands album release party. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, so this is cool. I yeah. like this. It is. That it's, sounds really cool. We're really excited about it. Yeah. Um, Have, now, you know, talking about social media and things that happen in Nashville, do you follow the Instagram account Broadway Uncensored? I do not. Have you heard of it? No. Oh. Does anybody here follow it? Yes. You do? Yeah. It right. is literally it. the worst moments that happen every night on Broadway, Ooh, and they compile them, oh and gosh. you would not believe the stuff. You would not. Like, I, I saw the other night, there man. was a woman. I don't know if she was like the Kid Rock bar or what it was. She was just sitting on like a second story when it just fell to the ground no. all the way up the street. No. And then she got up, and there would be like men peeing on cabs. <laughs> and I mean, it is the funniest thing I have ever seen. Let's see what's up there right now. Oh. What's up there right now, uh, April? I will have to follow this. Yeah, oh, wow. my hairstylist told me about it. I've, I've been guilty. What up, Riley? I've been guilty. Wow. I just feel like I feel like it could like go along with your this your series brilliant. in a little bit of a way. This is brilliant. <laughs> it is so brilliant. Yeah. I will say that I got a uh, the the uh, uh, it's at David Allen Coe's son. Uh, has a podcast called um, Cocaine and Rhinestones. And I, I've listened to it. I've got obsessed with that. Yeah, a couple it's of good. Times. Like, it's real good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he's done a lot of good work. I've listened to that one a couple of times. But um, no, I, I love Instagram. I just didn't know about that one. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I just found it recently and it's hilarious. All right. I'll be, I know. What I, I'm, I'm just very blessed that it wasn't around 10 years ago when I, I went to Broadway <laughs> way too much. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Like the floors I have fallen on, the gutters I have fell in. Oh, like, you would have been featured on there. Or, you know, I could have been featured in May when I fell down in front of FGL House and I'm still in physical therapy for that. Really? 
Yeah. Well, I, I took a nap on outside Tootsie's one time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One time I was in Austin and I tried to sleep in a, I called it like a planter, like a thing that like a tree was in on the side of the road. Yeah. Ooh. Uh -huh. And, uh, oh, it's fine. It's just water spilling, okay, guys. but we have a lot of. Okay. <laughs> April's freaking out. Spilled water in the equipment. It's fine. I drank beer during the whole podcast yesterday and didn't spill anything. Um, that's awesome. Okay. Other things we're working on. You're working on the artist mentor program. I want to know more about that, actually. The, this is really cool. Yeah. At last year's Artist of the Year, uh -huh. uh, we announced from the stage that once a month for the whole year of 2019, mm -hmm. we are bringing in industry superstars. And okay. we actually brought in our first artist last month. We had Sarah Evans come in. Okay. But what we're doing is is... For about a, a two-hour session, we bring in a very um, hand-selected group of emerging artists. Now, I say emerging artists, not not these are not beginners. Most of them have had at least yeah. one video on CMT. Yeah. Um, a lot of them have been on The Voice. A lot mm -hmm. of them have been on Idol. Uh -huh. um, some have publishing deals. Some have management deals. Um, some are completely DIY, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just completely independent. Mm -hmm. But what we do, we bring in, it's about 20 to 30 emerging mm -hmm. artists. We bring them in. We don't record anything. The cameras are turned off. Wow. The microphones are turned off. And we create this really safe environment for mm -hmm. an artist to come in. And we bring in an industry professional from publishing. We bring in an industry professional from A&R at a label or a marketing person, mm -hmm. um, Rachel Fontenot. From mm, Universal. I love Rachel. Do you know Rachel's the reason I first met the Backstreet Boys? Yeah. Like I finally got to like meet the Backstreet Boys. I am a big Rachel yeah. fan. She's actually going to be our next mentor. Really? For, for our, oh, I love yeah. her. Yeah, well, she hired us to work on Martina. Right. And and the same company that was doing her meet and greet. And she was like, do you guys like the Backstreet Boys? Do you want to come and meet them? And we're like, right. oh my gosh. Like, so yeah. I owe a lot to her. I owe a lot to her. Um, two months ago, we had Margaret Hart. From oh, okay. Yep. She came yep. in and, and basically did a master class yeah. TED Talks on how to best utilize YouTube and all the tools. Amazing. And yeah. Um it's been one of the coolest things for me to be a part of because I mean it's it's really hard. Like yeah. it, I think it's harder for an artist now than it was in the nineties. You know, and you, you only had a couple of, of things that you needed to check off your list, let's say, you know, twenty years ago. Yeah. Um and, and to a disadvantage like you were talking about, if you didn't have the right resources or budget, you couldn't check those boxes yeah. off. Now you've got artists, you know, doing everything themselves. Mm -hmm. They're they're doing their own marketing, they're doing their own booking, they're doing their own everything. Yeah. And by the way, you gotta be an artist. Write that song and yeah, record there's that it. Too. And, yeah. And so they're and they're having to but produce. Now, these themselves. days you I always tell artists, and I've been saying this for years, you have to be an artist and you're an entrepreneur of your own business. Right. And a lot of people don't understand that. And it's, it, it's shocking, I think, sometimes when right. artists hear that. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you really put, in, put it into perspective, it makes complete sense. We're doing that to them in, in a group. Yeah. And like one of my favorite sessions, we had, a, we had a superstar publicist come in and she was kind of talking and giving direction. And one of the artists raised their hands and, and they even said, they, they, they told me, they were like, I didn't know what this was going to be about. But then I could tell, like, this is legit. We get to ask real questions. Like, yeah. we don't have to be media trained on you know, yeah like i can just be a person in yeah. here and ask real questions so 
artists raised their hand and said, okay, I was up till two o'clock in the morning last night. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I've got my personal account that I had before I was an artist and I've got my artist account. When I post on this one, this happens. When I post on this, this happens. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. Do I combine these? Do I drop one? What do I do? You know? And, and the, what was cool was right after they said that, like, 15 people in the room. Me too. Me too. <laughs> it, it became this, you know, self-help yeah. group, group therapy session yeah. for, for emerging artists because it's a very, nobody else in the world is going through what they're going yeah. through and they all think that they're the only ones going through it. Yeah. And sometimes it's good to know that, you know, guess what? There's a lot of people, not, you know, not yeah. a lot of people, but you've, you've got other people in this town thinking and going through the same stuff you are. Yep. And and it was it was therapeutic in a lot of ways. That's awesome. It's, it's really cool. I love that. Okay, That's how do I awesome. sign up for this? Oh, <laughs> yeah. How do you're I sign in. up? You're in. I want, we want to come talk and do it. Well, yeah. No, would love to have you. Know, you. I'm serious. This amazing. is not lip service. Would love to yeah, have you. Yeah, that would be a, like awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then I definitely want to talk about women with you. Yes. And I don't mean your personal life, even though uh -huh. I know a lot of people want to hear about that. <laughs> but next women of country. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yes. Who's in the in the roundup right now uh can't talk about that you still can't talk about it no this year's different like okay uh, in years past we had announced who the next class was going to be okay. and then we invite you to the event in november mm -hmm. this year we're keeping it a secret until you come to the event oh my gosh which is the day before the cma awards okay so we're, wow. it's this year it's not gonna we're at a new location this year we're going to be at this the uh, the hall of fame okay and um, I think it's the CMA Theater in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's so pretty, all the renovations and stuff in there. I know. Yeah. And uh, I, I, the thing, this started out, what, I think, five, six years ago. This started out in a very small restaurant with about 25 people mm -hmm. when, we, when we did our very first class of Next Women of Country. Mm -hmm. um, because back in the day, there are so few spots on country radio for female artists, mm -hmm. period. Like, I think out and of And why do you think that is? I ask a lot of people this. Uh, that answer, I, I can give you, I could give you several answers for that. And well, let me ask you I don't know question. that any of them would be right. What do you think the solution is? I think the solution is always music. Yeah. I think music, the cream rises to the top always. Mm -hmm. But I think there has to be, and, and one of my, uh, Leslie Fram, who I mm -hmm. work for over at CMT. We love Leslie. She's incredible. Yeah, she she's has incredible. headed up this thing called Change the Conversation. Mm -hmm. And it really, that. That is step one. Change, let's change the conversation. Yeah. Let's let's address what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think programming and programmers mentalities need to be adjusted. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I I've got several personal theories of why I think that is. And for me, I remember I remember when I feel like in there was a period in the '90s where women dominated. You know? I agree. It, it was like Martina, um, Faith Hill, Reba. Um, and I'm not even going to do it justice, but there was a TNN special, mm -hmm. I think from like 1993 mm -hmm. and it was called women of country. Yeah. And I think I remember counting 30, you know, yeah. artists that were up when on I, stage. April used to be a client of ours years ago. Right. Um, and we did a video, a music video and we'd like throwed back to throwed backs that a word <laughs> <Right>. threw back, <laughs> um, to a bunch of those nineties women. We did, um, Shania, Faith Hill, Faith Hill and, Martina. and Martina. Yeah. But even, I mean, I, if you remember, like the the men started making this really boring, homogenized music that it took Gretchen Wilson to bring the balls back to it. Yes, you know, and, and until she came in with Redneck mm -hmm. Woman, the, the the genre was getting a little boring. Mm -hmm. It really was. Yeah. But 
I digress. Um, I don't know what radio's thinking right now when it comes to well, women. It's in not country. just radio. It, it's I mean, it, I've done a lot of analysis on this, and mm-hmm. on Spotify playlisting yep. in particular, it's it's still like I, I do a lot of analysis, and it's usually only between five to ten percent women on like the Spotify country right. new boots list. Right. And and you know that that bothers me because like I get on hits. Like there's certain like metrics you have to meet mm-hmm. on a hits list, but New Boots is editorial new picks, mm-hmm. and it bothers me that the new that it, it's still being picked at that percentage on that on that particular playlist. Um, I I really analyze it, I really look at it closely, and I just think it's absolutely crazy that when you look at it, there's like 50 dudes and like five women, and a lot of times it's the the, the I'm counting the women that are like part of a collaboration with men are yeah. part of group that also has men in it I, I i i know exactly what you're talking about and i like to pick on radio a because it's easy and uh <laughs> i mean you can look at the top 40 and there's like two females yeah. you know? and, and for me there's just so much more incredible music yeah being created out there and honestly if in this is just my opinion i don't have any scientific research behind it or anything this is just kind of my gut feeling and mm-hmm. kind of watching everything Right now, the women are pushing themselves. They're they're pushing themselves creatively. They're pushing themselves sonically. They're they're really pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. While the men, I think, are starting to lull a little bit into this safe zone, mm-hmm. kind of almost back where we were back in the Gretchen Wilson mm-hmm. period that I yeah. just mentioned. And I, I honestly think the women, if if they keep going on the trajectory that they're on, I, I think they're going to take over. I really will, because the superior music will be coming from. There's just it's already happening. It's like silently happening, right? It, it's already happening. Yeah. It's just the world doesn't know it yet. Yeah. So my advice to everybody is, even though it's not happening on Spotify playlists or or radio charts. Go check out these female artists that are creating music right now, and you're going to hear some of the most cutting edge. What's happening next? Yeah. Like uh, I- instead of what's happening right now, which is already behind, you're going to mm-hmm. hear what the future is. That's a key, I think that's like a really key point that I think a lot of people in music know, but maybe some of our listeners understand like what's happening right now is behind right. when it comes to creating music. Because I think, and I think we hear that a lot with very new artists. Oh, I want to be like so and so. Right. That's old. That's I know it's new, but it's old. At the same time, you know, you right. got to be ahead of that curve. You got to be creating something different. Yep. Well, because yeah. if you're recording a song now, it, it's likely it's not, you know, even if you like finish mastering it, like, you mm-hmm. know, mixing and mastering it like two days later, it's still not even, you know, if you wanted to set it up properly, it's probably not going to be out for six weeks. But a lot of times people are recording songs that aren't going to come out for six months or even longer. And you mm-hmm. just have to think about like the music landscape is going to change a lot even in that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. I, uh, I don't know. I really, what I really want to see is, is a, is a, is a competition of creativity, mm-hmm. you know, happening where the the male artists don't get in a safe zone and the female artists don't get in a safe zone and yeah. everybody keeps pushing and creating and taking this genre to the next level things. Yeah, because that's, I mean, to me that, that is the future. And as long as we keep doing that this genre will survive and it will evolve yeah and we won't get stuck in those traditions that kind of frustrate us yeah but there will always be a spot for tradition as well Mm -hmm. but they're just i don't know like for me i think the genre right now is probably one of the widest if not the widest Mm -hmm. um and 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 of course i'm biased but i mean in any one week I, i can get a 
you know, a Carrie Underwood video, mm-hmm. which is very, you know, pop leaning. But we can also get a Miranda Lambert, mm-hmm. which she's the queen of that traditional sound. Yeah. But still, you want to talk about pushing the envelope on a production in and mm-hmm. sonically, like, go, you know, listen to a Miranda Lambert yeah. record and it will blow you away. Yeah. Um, but then all we're also getting the Avid Brothers because, mm-hmm. you know, where does that live when it's brand new? Yeah. Where does where does Americana live yeah. when it's brand new and who yeah. is supporting that visually? Um, you know, lucky us, it gets to be us, you know, um, I, I, we were even contacted by Lenny Kravitz team recently. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's Is not he because, doing a country album? no, but it's because he's, it, it, it's think about that audience, Yeah, you know, like, I mean, I, I grew up listening to Lenny and, and, you know, I think a lot of the, the, the teenage girls from back in the nineties are, you know, the, the women running the family. Well, now, yeah. And, and I think it like goes women. into why the FGL Backstreet Boys exactly. thing works so well. Like, so when you first heard about that happening, mm-hmm. what'd you think? I thought that somebody somewhere is very smart. It, I agree. It's genius. <laughs> it's genius. Because that's you know? exactly what I'm talking about. Those teenagers from that time era, guess mm-hmm. what? Those are, those are the people running their they're families. They're the moms now. Right. <laughs> and they're, they're driving, they're driving their families. Yep. They're driving the kids to school. They're, yep. they're the ones like, yeah, that, yeah. The, like I said, they're the parents now, yeah. and they didn't stop liking those people. Like, like they didn't. There was no memo that went out and said you need to stop liking this. Yeah, and they're what not going to. What are your thoughts on uh, the new Dan and Shay Bieber song? That's uh, first of all, I'm I'm a big fan of of Dan Smears. He's I just love them. Like, I, I, yeah, Dan and Shay both yeah. are incredible. But I, I think because uh, Shay is such an incredible vocalist, mm-hmm. um, I I don't know that people know how brilliant. Daniel is right. like he do you guys know that that the very first 19 you and me that single uh-huh. that went gangbuster yeah. like they recorded that at the house that was the demo that mm-hmm. they turned into the label wow and he told me like he, they were so excited when they were finally signed over at Warner Brothers and they were having the sit down meeting to find out who their producer was going to be yeah. They're like oh, we can't wait is it, you know we're going to get Dan Huff we're going to get you know like <laughs> they were so excited and and you know the team comes back and goes you're producing you know I, I, that doesn't happen you know like yeah. Yeah. you turn it and not only are you producing but we're not going to do anything much but just a little couple tweaks on the demo you turned in and that's what hits radio yeah you know like like the vocal that you hear Shay singing on 19 you and me he recorded in a closet at Dan's house like so fun. but and and to that point back to your original question um Dan literally engineered that single like mm-hmm. he's been the producer the engineer the yeah. vocal producer like I, I again I I think it's smart on Bieber's part mm-hmm. you know I think it's really smart for him to come in and do that kind of song um I think it's smart for him to write like that mm-hmm. um and I think I think it's a departure for Bieber and smart for him to do, but at the same time, it's just right down the middle what mm-hmm. Dan and Shay have already been yeah. working on. Well, we had Lisa Ray is a very longtime friend of Cassie and ours. Like oh, I love she worked, she was kind of like our mom, and we worked at Warner Brothers <laughs> She's back in the day. And she came woman. on; she was the opener of the season, and she was saying the same things like how how brilliant Dan is, and he, he know, doesn't get the credit there. he deserves. But yeah. I, I, anytime I get a chance to, I will try to I will try to champion that i appreciate that just i i love when people give credit i think it's a big deal but i will say now shay is probably it's it's hard to say anybody's the best singer in i mean Nashville, it's next level but that dude is next it is level. just next level it's just who else is singing like that like really you know i remember after hearing 19 you and me they came in for an office mm-hmm. visit and i had like this kind of like 
all right, let's see what you got. Chip on my shoulder, right? Because <laughs> he does that run, you know, after the mm-hmm. big big buildup, he mm-hmm. does this run that's just gorgeous. Like, how many times have we heard somebody nail a run on a recording and then you see him live? Can't and, do it in person. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, Mr. 32,000 notes, let's see what you're going to do in the <laughs> office, you know? Not only did he sing 32,000 notes, he added another 32,000 and put, did it like three feet from my face and was like, what do you think about that? <laughs> you know, with I, it just blew, like, blew me away. It's like Love one it. of the just, just incredible talent. Love it. That's incredible. incredible talent. So what do you think? I know you can't talk about the next one in the country, but who, who do you see coming up? Oh, man. Who I am, are you excited about? I am really excited about. Oh, Women or men, just anybody. Oh, there's a. There's a all right. Um, on the male side of things, I am a huge fan of Morgan Wallen and Hardy okay, right yeah, now. I, I think, agree. I think those guys. I think it's a brilliant brand. Seriously. Well, just the writing alone. Yeah. And people don't know how many of their songs are being cut by other artists. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but that writing, the, the word placement, the way that you can take a subject that we've all heard before. And, and, you know, it's like, how do you say the same thing, but say it so differently and so creatively? And, um. I, I I don't know. I think they're on the forefront. They're they're a perfect example to me of not chasing <laughs> what's going on, but actually being uh, being on the front end mm-hmm. of where it's going. Yeah. Um. I think Morgan's probably again one of the best <laughs> best singers in town. Um. Really excited about. Oh man, I'm really excited about our next class of next women of country. Just can't talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> you're you're gonna be. I I will tell you this. You're gonna be blown away and surprised and um at the same time kind of not surprised if you've been paying attention yeah you know um nicole gallion is doing an incredible job with the uh label that she's starting mm-hmm. for female artists and um yeah i'm uh i'm trying to figure out how to compliment these people without saying their it's, names maybe you say just watch it just yeah, pay attention just, just pay comment. attention and yeah, um are there uh, any groups or duos coming up um, have you guys checked, are you into the sisterhood band? I don't know much about yes, that. April. I love, I love them. They, I'm, I'm smitten Alyssa, and I, yeah. I reserve that word for very few people. April knows a lot about up and coming Nashville yeah. artists. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're a new duo on Sony okay. and, uh, they just released their really, I mean, they've, they've had music out before, mm-hmm. but, um, and now I'm going to, why am I blanking? Cause I'm running low on blood sugar. <laughs> Um, hey, you got six Reese's cups in front of you. Right. You what is that? They're, they're, they just released what what would be considered their first single and video, and I'm totally blanking on the name right now, and I can't believe I'm doing that. Um, we got Googles over here. I know I'm doing the same thing. Uh, get uh, get up and go. Get up, up and, and go. go. Um, Alyssa, um, they're the. One has dark hair, one has blonde hair. Okay. Alyssa is the dark haired. I've actually, she is an incredible singer songwriter on her own. She, you know, both of these artists are incredible single solo artists. And Mm -hmm. the fact that we got to have them together, Mm -hmm. this is what makes them different to me because they don't have to be a duo. They choose to be a duo. Mm -hmm. And anytime that happens, we're really lucky as listeners. And, um, she, I've been a fan of hers. She's been creating some of the, my favorite Americana and kind of on the edge of country music for, for at least four years now. And, um, 
Ruby, um, a lot of people may or may not know this. Ruby is um, Rod Stewart's daughter. Okay. And let me tell I you. I did not know that. Her name is Ruby Stewart. And now that you know, you, you'll see the favor. Like she, she favors her father a lot. Um, not a lot, but I mean, you can She They've got the same charismatic smile and she's just got both of them have this star power. That's just amazing. But I got to hear them, didn't know anything about them. I got to hear them live in acoustic and they were two of the most brilliant singers. I have, I was just like uh, instantly smitten. I was like, um, and I like to think I have a pretty good star radar and they broke mine. It was just that's incredible. That's incredible. So advice for new artists, new artists that are making music videos want to get your attention. What are you looking for? I am always looking for, I'll tell you, let me start with my pet peeve. Okay. Um, I, I hate it when someone comes in and says, I'm going to be the next so-and-so, you know, um, that really bothers me because nine times out of 10, that, that so-and-so that they just mentioned, we had just left CMT Uh and they have no intentions of quitting Mm -hmm. and we have them and and we have, yeah, we don't need another them. Yeah. We need you. You know, I, I, that's again, that's why I I agree. Sisterhood band. Um, they're not trying to be anybody else. They're not trying to be the next Miranda or they're Mm -hmm. not trying to be the next Carrie. They're trying to be the sisterhood. Yeah. And that's so cool to me. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with male artists. That's probably why I dig Morgan Wallen and, and Hardy so mm-hmm. much. As they, they didn't come in, I'm going to be the next Blake Shelton or mm-hmm. Luke Bryant. No, they were like, I'm going to be me. So the best advice I can give an artist is be authentic, be yourself. If you think that you're trying to chase something, you're already behind. And that really does dovetail to what we were talking about. Um, I think there's two type of artists that come to town. Some that are like, what can Nashville do for me? And then the second is, what can I bring to Nashville? Mm-hmm. And, and it's that second group of artists that I think have the longevity and the success yeah. um, because they're trying to contribute. You know, yeah. they're, 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 trying to, they're trying to offer this, this crazy game that we all play something mm-hmm. that hasn't had before. Yeah. So if you're trying to be something you're not, it'll blow up. I I can't tell you how many times I've met an artist that was with a label or with a certain group and and they were so eager to please. And and that is the nature of an artist. You know, it's like, I'll do anything you want. What do you want me to be? I'll be whatever age you want me to be. I'll be whatever sound you want me to be, which that's a, that's a great, that's a kind attitude to have, but it's almost career death because then you're not going to be yourself. Yeah. And then I watch these artists that are really, really talent, talented, not necessarily have the success they're expecting. And for some reason, then because they're not having success, the deal goes away. They go through a, an, an artist reinvention or, or they go through this period where they find themselves. Like self-actualization. Right. And then they just go, well, you know what? I'm going to make this music. I, 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 I hope people like it, but I don't necessarily, I'm not making it for anybody. I'm, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to say and do. And then guess what? Everybody loves yeah. that music. You have to strip down and do that. And and the thing is, honestly, like I think Cassie and I really relate to that as just in our, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, we were the same way. Like we wanted to work with artists. We wanted to take being a fan mm-hmm. and never stop doing that Mm -hmm. you know and now we've learned to you know tap into understanding why fans 
purchase and listen and attend the things they do mm -hmm. and create an entire business out of it that survived 13 years. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's a big key as to why we survived because I remember when I'm actually, I think it was my actual first meeting in Nashville mm -hmm. and there was this guy and he was kind of a mentor to me at a certain stage of my life. And he said, you can't act like a fan. Mm -mm. And for several years, I, I took that advice and mm -hmm. I was so scared to act like I liked what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I've told this story many a times, especially on this podcast, but and I know Cassie remembers it as well, but we saw Tracy Gershon dancing at the wild horse at mm -hmm. a big and rich show. And we were like, well, shit, right. <laughs> she looks like she's enjoying and she's singing and she, well, and it's like something clicked and was like, you can do that. And you know, it's funny. Cause I think once we left that guard down of oh we can't let anybody know we're fans like that's a bad word we're scary um that's when the backstreet boys came a knocking right you i know? couldn't agree more i went through the same thing like you were supposed to act like you were like i call it crop dusted with riddling <laughs> <laughs> i've seen that i've done that i'm so not impressed yeah. you know it's like bullshit i'm i'm blown away like if we're not passionate about what we do, then we need to be doing yeah. something else. And it's just funny how once that was done, people loved that I loved things and they right. loved that I loved them. And it was shocking well, because I was told it didn't work that way. Well, yeah, and you get to be someone's Tracy Gershon. Exactly. And I love that woman, by the way. Oh, my gosh. We all love her. Um, I, You know what? I do want to just kind of wrap up that artist advice kind of thing. Yeah. The best advice I can say is, don't try to write and perform what's happening right now. Yeah. It's okay to cover, but if you're trying to be an artist, and and I believe this was said earlier, but if you're if you're writing and recording what's happening right now, by the time you get it recorded and released and out to your fans, it's it's going to be it's behind. Dated, yeah. It's dated and behind. So yeah. push it. What's next? It's always the question. What's next? What's next for me? What's next for, for music, for country music? Oh, man, I think we're right knee deep in what's next right now. Yeah. I am so obsessed with Blanco Brown. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really like Blanco. There's, a, there's another artist, Willie Jones. We've always had a blend of pop influences mm -hmm. in, in country. You can go back to the urban cowboy phases. Yeah. Uh, where dis I called it disco country, you know, <laughs> and it, where it was, it was country music by Conway yeah. Twitty or even, um, you know, Dolly Parton, mm -hmm. uh, nine to five or Dolly yeah. and Kenny singing islands in the stream. Yeah. Did you know that was written by the Bee Gees? Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a pop, that's a disco yeah. straight up, you know, like yeah. we're, we're kind of, like I said, it's not new, but it, we're taking it to such new places as we have new country artists come into this genre they didn't just listen to country growing up and now that we have spotify and we have other things than just country radio mm -hmm. and we have more things than just radio the our artists are going to come in influenced so much more by so many different genres of music and also guess what older music because we can actually access it now mm -hmm. like when you can go I, I love going to Spotify and being able to listen to the very first Doobie Brothers record that I could never find in a record store yeah. because it wasn't the current release and yeah. they weren't going to carry the shelf space for it. Uh -huh. and so like in my, in my forties in 2019, I'm getting to hear music from, you know, late sixties and early seventies that I, I, I couldn't buy or hear till yeah. right now. That's also happening. I mean, my nephew blew me away the, the earlier this summer. Um, he was singing Led Zeppelin's rock and roll. He's 11, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, and he's like, he's like, been a long time. You know, I, he knew it, you know, like, he knew it. And I'm like, how the hell do you know this song? You know? And he goes, 
Xbox, you know, Xbox. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So it, it, there's, for me, I think I can't wait to see what's next, but what I think we're going to see next is, is country music. That's so much more influenced by the modern world. Like we're already starting to hear country songs that use lyrics that, that contain the words Bluetooth and, yeah, you know, like, and, and, and it's still traditional. Yeah. It's like, it's talking about everyday life. It's, mm-hmm. it's talking about, yeah, I mean, we really do deal with Bluetooth. We deal with texting. We deal mm-hmm. with like breakups are happening via yeah. text now. Yeah. So I, for me, I'm starting to hear this digital world come into a country lyric, mm-hmm. a very, a very earth tone oriented, you know, I don't, but it's still working because yeah. it's real. It's what it's we're real. dealing it's with what's happening. everyday like, life. It, technology is part of our lives it's not separated from our lives anymore and so that that as as our everyday life gets more and more technological mm-hmm. so do these lyrics and so does the music and as long as this genre is reflecting that then it's staying true to itself yeah you know but i think that's what's next it's, it's kind of crazy i remember evolution. cassie put a, a flip phone into blake shelton's hand for the first time <laughs> right and yeah. taught him how to make funny videos Boy. and now we're talking about putting bluetooth lyrics in a country song right Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Willie Jones had to do a Q&A on Twitter back in yeah. 12. Right. Wait, who? <laughs> Willie Jones. He was on X Factor. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I hear that like Fifth Harmony and um, B. Miller and all those, you know, all those other kids. It was a really good season with talent. Yeah, it was. I really think the next phase, um, the, I think with with everything becoming so modern and I use I like to use the word synthetic mm-hmm. and and kind of plastic and mm-hmm. overproduced. I think the next phase is going to be incredibly authentic and okay. real. And yeah. I think the the bullshit detector of the fan is going to be better than it's ever been. I'm waiting for that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's there on the social media side. Like you can't get away with doing things that aren't authentic anymore. And I think that well, yeah. and and you're seeing that from the artists, like the artists. The, the artists that you're so right about the social media thing. I mean, look at the artists. They're, they're posting pictures of themselves flawed. They're, they're yeah. you know, they're, they're posting pictures of themselves not being perfect. Yeah. Not, not being, you know what I mean? Instead yeah. of having this picture perfect image that you never can kind of live up to anyway, mm-hmm. it's like the more real these people are, the more people are connecting with yeah. them. And yeah. And I, the music is starting to reflect that too. That's why Luke Combs is whooping so much butt right now. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. Dude's well, just real. Well, this has been amazing. This is one of the easiest podcasts I've ever done. You just have so much to talk about. No, Lord. You do. I know you're never going to like agree when I make over you, but I'm still going to make over you. Uh, I think I'll be amazing. like, don't stop. Don't stop. Stacy Cato. Are you related to the people that own the Cato clothing store? No, but my mom Because that was my favorite there. store when I was a teenager. Yeah. Curvy girl clothes that were in style. I oh, love man. that place. I'll just put it to you this way. My mom is a real woman, and I remember going shopping with her, and I would be a little boy, and she would, uh, she's also, um, uh, uh, she uh, she won't be mad at me for saying this. She's high maintenance when she, the word customer service means something to her, like big time. Oh, I don't care if it's a department store. <laughs> or, or a restaurant but yeah she would always kind of be needy at, at a store and and they would kind of get an attitude until we got to the end and she busted out her credit card and it said rachel kato and they go oh miss kato oh oh, oh that's so my funny. gosh oh, that is something cool. my mom would do sure <laughs> no question. and she would never correct them oh that is hilarious oh, that's that is that's perfect. That's she perfect. would ride that way that's perfect oh my gosh thank you stacy thank you i really appreciate you i've never done anything like this this was so cool this. i hope i hope it lived up to your expectations i hope i lived up to your expectations. Uh, you totally did uh, 
You totally did. I think you gave some amazing stories, some great advice. I think like all kinds of people like, look, we have people sitting here like we have, we have a young April. You're so young. I can't even talk about it. We have a young artist. Jealous. We have me and Lila who are like, you know, more middle age. We have Benny in her sixties and we're all interested in information you're saying. I think we've all learned something. I think we can all take something from it, whether nostalgia or advice. Well, I can't thank y'all enough. If if you got at least one little morsel, then I did my job. We got so. all the morsels. We got a full baked cookie. I like oh, it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, it's guys. Awesome. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on the How I Got Backstage podcast. If you're new to How I Got Backstage, please subscribe so you'll never miss one of our weekly podcasts. You can follow our guest today at at Stacey Cato on Instagram, and you can also follow the host of our show, Cassie and Jade, at Cassie Petrie and Folia Jade. And you can follow the podcast at How I Got Backstage on Instagram and at I Got Backstage on Twitter. This episode was edited by Mika Christic and produced by Lila Toshiko. Music was recorded and written by Cody Falco's Guy, and special thanks to our publicity team, Dakota Heflin and Nina Cole. How I Got Backstage is a Crowd Surf production.